Harry Ayrton since 1980. I think that's right. So that's 40 years. So you can imagine we met one another as six-year-olds. So it's great. it's great to be here and to see them again and to have fellowship with you as well. Um, the title of this sermon is The God Who Gives Wisdom. And uh, I'd like to pray as we begin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think every family has proverbs. I mean, our family didn't use the sort of standard proverbs like many hands make light work. And uh, what are the other ones? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. We never use those. But every family has sayings that the mother or the father often say to the children. Did you, do you, not, did you grow up in a family like that? Or are you a, a father or mother and you say you've got these certain sayings that come again and again? One of the things, my, my mother said lots of good things, but one of the things she used to say was, never go out of the house without clean underwear on. And I used to ask sometimes, why is this important? And she would say, well, if you have a car accident and you get taken to hospital and they take your clothes off, you know, it'd be good to have clean underwear. And I, I never said this to her, but I thought it was strange. I mean, my underwear might be clean before the accident. <laughs> but the book of Proverbs is not written by my mother. It's written by Solomon. You can see that in the first verse. Solomon was a great king of Israel. And, and you may re well remember this. When he became king, God said to him, ask me what you want and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God gave Solomon extraordinary wisdom. I mean, he messed up big time later on. But for many years, he had extraordinary wisdom. So great was his wisdom that people from other nations... Kings and queens from other nations used to come to talk to Solomon to ask for his wisdom. So this was really significant wisdom that God was giving to Solomon. You can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 to 34. But please don't do it now. So the book of Proverbs is really an invitation for us to open ourselves up to receive God's wisdom. Because we all need it. Do you need wisdom? I mean, we need wisdom about big things. Where am I going to live? What, am I going, what job am I going to do? Who am I going to spend time with? Who am I going to marry? But also about small things, like who am I going to speak to after the service? Or is there someone in the church who I haven't seen for a few, more, few weeks and I might phone them this week and say, why don't we meet for a coffee? We need wisdom about all kinds of things in our lives. And the wonderful thing is, God loves to give wisdom. He is the God who gives wisdom. And that's why I'm excited that we're looking at this passage. I've been thinking a lot about wisdom recently. I need wisdom very um, particularly in some areas of my life at the moment. And so I've been asking God for wisdom. And he gives wisdom. Now this pas passage... Um, makes it very clear what wisdom is. There is a difference between wisdom and knowledge. It's just important to get this right. 
It's possible to have a lot of knowledge, to know a lot of stuff, to pass every exam you've ever taken, but to be not wise. And it's possible to be someone who really didn't get on well at school at all. You've never passed any exam or very few exams in your life, but you've got wisdom because it's something that God has given you. So wisdom is a gift from God. And if we want to open ourselves up to receive this gift of wisdom from God in all kinds of situations, then this passage is going to help us to see how we can do that. Three things we can do so that we can open ourselves up to receive God's wisdom. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we look at this passage together. Firstly, in verses 1 to 7, fear God. Fear God. Now, that doesn't actually come until verse 7. Just have a look at the different words, though, in this first paragraph for wisdom. Verse 2, wisdom, instruction, insight. Verse 3, instruction. Verse 4, prudence. And do you notice, too, who wisdom is for? Verse 4, it's for the simple, for the young, and for the wise. Verse 5. All of us need wisdom. I mean, I feel a bit insulted when I see it's for the simple. But actually, compared to God, I am simple. I'm simple, aren't I? And people are nodding. They know me. <laughs> We're all simple compared to the wisdom of God. We all need God's wisdom. But have a look at this, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is where wisdom begins. I mean, it says here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Again, it's not head knowledge. It's not knowing stuff. It's another word for wisdom. And in fact, once in the book of Proverbs, the phrase actually comes, the beginning of the Lord is the big, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's chapter 9, verse 10. But the first thing we need to do if we want to receive God's wisdom into our lives by his spirit is we need to fear God. Actually, that's not quite right. Have a look at verse 7 and you'll see it says the fear of the Lord. L-O-R-D, four capital letters. That means in the Hebrew, it's God's personal name, Yahweh. This is about talking about someone who's in a relationship with God, who's come to know God. And he says in here, in Proverbs 1-7, we should fear God. Now, we have a massive advantage that the first readers of this book didn't have. We know how to know, to know God, to be in a relationship with God, because we have Jesus. We know that Jesus died and rose again so that we could be forgiven. I, I love saying this next sentence, so I'm going to have to say it twice, because it always gets me worshipping God. We are accepted by God not because of what we do for God, but because of what God did for us when Jesus died on the cross. We are accepted by God not because of what we do for God, but because of what God did for us when Jesus died on the cross. Hallelujah. But we are to fear God. 
Now, what does that mean, to fear God? It's obviously important. It comes 16 times in the book of Proverbs that we should fear God. What does it mean to fear God? It doesn't mean to be afraid of him. If you're a Christian, if you're a truster in Jesus, you have absolutely no reason to be afraid of God because your sins are forgiven, because Jesus took the punishment. It does mean that we should have awe in his presence because he is holy. But here's what I think is quite a helpful way to understand what fearing God means. Fearing God doesn't mean being afraid of God. Fearing God means being afraid of hurting God. Isn't it always true that you're afraid of hurting the people you love? There's a, something rather similar to this in the New Testament. I have this kind of theory that when Paul was writing the letters to the church at Ephesus and the, le, the, the letter to the church at Colossae, he was spending a lot of time thinking about the book of Proverbs. This is just a, an Andrew Page theory. Please ignore it. But I think he was thinking about Proverbs and wisdom and fearing God. And in the letter to the Ephesians, he's talking to young Christians And he says, so they're forgiven, the Holy Spirit is living inside them, and he says to these young Christians, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make the Spirit sad. Don't grieve the Spirit by something you do or say or think. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. I think that's the same thing as fear God. Fear God. And if we want to receive God's wisdom, and I think lots of us here do, then a good place to start, the beginning of wisdom, is that again we make the decision again this morning to fear God, to open our hearts to him, to submit to him, to be afraid of hurting him. Fear God. Is the Holy Spirit saying that to you this morning? Fear God. Secondly, in verses 8 to 19, avoid evil. Avoid evil. That's point two. Avoid evil. Have a look at verses 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your, your neck. Now, look what comes now. Listen to this appeal to avoid evil my son if sinful men entice you do not give in to them if they say come along with us let's lie and wait for innocent blood let's ambush some harmless soul let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit we will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder cast lots with us we will all share the loot my son do not go along with them do not set foot on their paths For their feet rush into evil, they are swift to shed blood. Do you see that in verses 8 to 16? Avoid evil. Don't run with the crowd. Don't do what everybody else says you should do. Now you're sitting there thinking, well, uh, it looks to me as though the person who's being addressed here is being um, encouraged by his friends, his mates, to be involved in a mugging. And that doesn't actually happen to me a lot. Not many people say, we're going out mugging on Friday night. Do you want to join us? It doesn't happen. But our whole culture is trying to get us to be 
to do certain things. Our whole culture, through the media, through advertising, is saying to us, live for you. Live for you. Do what pleases you. And offering us evil as a way of satisfying ourselves. Isn't that true of our culture? Well, the Holy Spirit is saying through Proverbs chapter 1, if you want wisdom from God, avoid evil. But we always like to sort of make compromises and we say, well, it's just a, little, a very little bit of evil. It's a very small sin. It doesn't really matter. There was an Arab and he was traveling through the desert on his camel. And when night fell, he thought, well, it's time to sleep. So he got off the camel, pitched his tent and went into the tent and fell asleep. And an hour later, he woke up and the camel's head was in the tent. And he said to the camel, look, Arabs sleep in the tent and camels sleep outside the tent. So get out. And the camel said, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but the camel said, look, it's so cold outside. I mean, I know it's a desert, but at night it really is cold. Just ahead, I won't come any further, I promise. So the Arab had a soft heart and he said, okay, but just your head, no further. And he fell asleep. Two hours later, he woke up and the front half of the camel was in the tent. And the Arab said, look, that's it, okay, out. And the camel said, look, it's incredibly, you've no idea how cold I am. Just my front half. I won't come any further in, I promise. And the Arab said, okay, but no further. And he fell asleep. And two hours later, he woke up and the whole of the camel was in the tent. And before the Arab could say anything, the, the camel said, out. <laughs> now, it's a really stupid question, but doesn't it remind you of something? That's exactly what sin does. Just, just a little, no more. I mean, 10 minutes of internet porn is not going to do you any harm. It's fine. And then it becomes more and more and more. Or other sorts of sins. Just think, if we, if we start compromising and saying, yeah, that's okay. It's a small thing. It becomes more of a problem. In the letters to the Ephesians, which I think Paul wrote while thinking about the book of Proverbs, he also wrote, don't give the devil a foothold. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Don't give the devil a foothold. And if you're anything like me, and obviously most of you are sitting there really grateful that you're nothing like me, but if you're anything like me, you know, what, you know what that means. Sometimes you have. Sometimes you do give the devil a foothold. And it, more and more. Now look what happens if we don't avoid evil. Uh, verse 17, how useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only, only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Have a look back at the end of verse 11, please. These friends say, let's ambush some harmless soul. And look, now look at the end of verse 18. But they ambush only themselves. If we give ourselves to sin, if we don't avoid evil, it will come back and bite us. 
Whatever we sow, we'll reap. So avoid evil. The New Testament, when it's talking about sin and the dangers, because we all struggle with sin, we all have problem areas. The New Testament mentions two particular areas that are problems. Now, we're all different, I know that. But here are two areas, and it's very likely that one of these two areas is a struggle area for you. They are both, in different ways, struggle areas for me. And the two areas are the areas of speech and sexuality. Speech, what we say, what we say about other people or what we say to other people, maybe gossip. Do you know the definition of gossip? Gossip is the art of confessing other people's sins. We've all done it. But it could just be being, being unkind to somebody else. Sins of speech. But also sins of sexuality. I've already mentioned internet porn, but it could be making a sex film in my head. It could be committing adultery. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about one of those areas? He loves you and he's saying to you and he's saying to me, if you want God's wisdom, avoid evil. Make the decision to say no. So if we want to receive God's wisdom, fear God, avoid evil. And now thirdly, in verses 20 to 33, keep listening. Keep listening. Um, now, that, I'm not just saying that because I'm a preacher and I want you to keep listening. Um, it's here in the text. Have a look at verse 20. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. It's like God's wisdom is a woman, a person. And she's standing down at the bar gate in the city center. And she's calling out and she's saying to everybody who passes by, Listen to me. Listen to God's wisdom. Be open for God's wisdom. Verse 22, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Look what God is promising us if we open ourselves up for his wisdom. Look at verse 23. Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Wow, God is the God who gives wisdom. He loves to speak his wisdom into our lives. But look what happens if we don't listen to God. Verse 24, since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you dis disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you, where I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Do you see God is longing for us to listen for his wisdom? Verse 30, since they will not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. 
But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Keep listening. Do you see, did you see verse 29? Verse 29, they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. It's a choice. It's a choice to fear the Lord. It's a choice to avoid evil. It's a choice to keep listening to God. How do we keep listening to God? I've got three suggestions of how we keep listening to God. Number one, read the Bible. I'm not talking about read the Bible um, as a sort of a weird way of getting wisdom. I heard about um, a, a boy student, a male student, who uh, was thinking it would be quite nice to have a girlfriend, and he looked around in the Christian Union at university, couldn't make his mind up, and thought, I need wisdom here. And um, he looked at all the different girls, and then he was reading the Psalms one day, and it said in the Psalms, go out with joy. <laughs> That's not wisdom. That is Bible abuse. I'm not talking about that. But the more we read the Bible, the more we will see the world and our own lives the way God sees the world and our lives. Because his word will shape our thinking. Now I know that in a church like this, read the Bible, we, all, we, we keep saying it. I, I just think it's worth saying because sometimes I neglect the Bible. There are probably some people here who read the Bible every day, and that is wonderful. I don't, and I should. I go through phases when I do, and then I get lazy. Or I get down. And I think the last thing I want to do is read the Bible. I'm depressed. Is this the thanks I get for becoming a Christian? How stupid can you get? But sometimes I give up reading the Bible. And all of you are now making... Thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to say to John Ayrton afterwards, never invite that man again. <laughs> but if you have been neglecting the Bible recently, start again. Start again. Read the Bible every day. Read the Bible. It's a way of keeping listening to God. That was suggestion number one for keeping on listening. Suggestion number two, be open to the Spirit. If you're a truster in Jesus, if you've turned from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Wow. Astonishing. Well, be open to the Spirit. He may be nudging you to go up to a particular person after the service and just say, hi, great to see you. How are you doing? He may be nudging you to contact someone from the church during this week and say, hey, why don't we meet up for a coffee? He may be nudging you to get in touch with somebody uh, who lives somewhere else in the country who you haven't had contact with for months or even years. He may be nudging you. He does that. Be open to the Spirit. Read the Bible. Be open to the Spirit. And the third suggestion for keeping on listening is ask God for wisdom. Ask him. He wants us to ask. 
Here's a wonderful verse from the New Testament about wisdom. It is fantastic news. It's James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, and that's all of us, we're all highly qualified for what's just about to come. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Is that a great promise or is that a great promise? Shall we vote? <laughs> Do you notice how God's described there? He's, he gives generously to all without finding fault. He wants us to ask for wisdom. If you ask for wisdom, he is not going to say, mm, well, I don't know, it's been a very busy time recently. I really don't have time to give you wisdom. Other people in Portswood Church I'd give wisdom to, but really not you. No, go away. He's not going to say that. He gives generously to all without finding fault. <sighs> Ask God. I'm going to say it once more because it's so good. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Sometimes when people say to me, Andrew, what can I pray for you? Um, I just say, please pray Colossians 1.9. Now, oh, no, maybe I'll tell you what Colossians 1.9 is. That was nasty of me, sorry. This is a great, great verse, Colossians 1.9. And it's Colossians, which is connected with wisdom again, because I think Ephesians and Colossians, Paul wrote these while he was thinking about the book of Proverbs. Here's Colossians 1.9. I love this. For this reason, since, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We, ask, we, we continually ask God to fill you with, his, with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Great prayer. If you would like to pray that prayer this week and you have no one to pray it for, I am volunteering. <laughs> pray, it for, pray it for yourself. Pray it for others. Pray it for your family. Pray it for your friends. Pray it for the church leadership here. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for wisdom. We have, I've already said this, we have an advantage uh, that the first readers of the book of Proverbs didn't have. We know all about Jesus. And let me just finish by telling you something, a way that the Apostle Paul describes Jesus. It's in the letter to the Colossians, and he describes Jesus like this. Jesus, in whom are hidden... All the treasures of wisdom. All the wisdom is in Jesus. Now that's, this is your Jesus. If you're a Christian, this is, the, this is the Jesus that you've put your trust in. This is the Jesus that you've trusted that when he died on the cross, he died for your sins. This is your Jesus. By his spirit, he's living inside you now at this moment. 
Jesus, in whom I hidden all the treasures of wisdom. That's Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Do you want wisdom? This week? Today? This week? Well, then fear God, avoid evil, and keep listening. Now, will you do something for me, please? You don't have to do this, but it would be lovely if you did. Have a look at those three headings. And we're just going to have 30 seconds silence. Decide, I mean, all three headings are really important. But think of those three things. Is there one of those that you think is the most important for you? There isn't a right answer here. This is just about you. What is the Holy Spirit particularly saying to you? Fear God or avoid evil or keep listening. Just have a think in the silence, please. And now, please, you don't have to do this. If you want to just sit quietly, you can. But I would love you to turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor which of the three you chose and why. Thank you. Five, four, three, two, one. Wonderful. Let's pray. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you that so many of us here in this room, we know that when Jesus died, he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Thank you that we're trusting him. Thank you that he lives in us by his spirit. We worship you. And Father, all of us here need wisdom. We know we need wisdom, Father. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. We pray that you would help us to fear you, to avoid evil, and to keep listening. And we pray that we will experience your spirit speaking into our lives this week through your word, through other people. And we will be aware of receiving wisdom from you. And we pray all these things in the great and strong name of Jesus. Amen.